I, I was lucky. I made my hobby to my profession. I was interested uh, in, in the weather and in all the processes when I was a little child, when I was approximately 10 years old. And from that point, I knew that I would only like to do that later on as a profession. The iSpot is the podcast about polar science and the people. We talked to scientists who went on board Polarstern, the German research icebreaker, for the biggest research expedition in the Arctic. Welcome everyone to this um, new episode of the iSpot. Uh, my name is Kirstin Werner. I'm in the Year of Polar Prediction International Coordination Office. And so is my colleague, Sarah Pasqualetto. Hello everyone. Today we have a guest uh, from the third leg of the Mosaic episode and it's Robert Hausen from the German Weather Service. Hello Robert. Hello everyone. Nice to have you here. It took us a while to get someone from the German Weather Service actually. <laughs> but we have it now. <laughs> it, it was not so easy but uh, eventually we have you here and we are really looking forward and happy to have you in this episode and talk about um, weather forecasting on board Polarstern a little bit. So my first question actually um, is, what is the weather like at the moment at Polarstern? Can you say something about that? I have totally no clue about that because uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I returned home, I, I just switched off all the channels, uh, no social media, no activities anymore, just enjoying the, the time with my family here. Yes, uh, right. Finally see them again and uh, we are spending a lot of time together now and uh, enjoy the summer Okay. as, as best as we can in, in times of Corona, of course, but... Currently, you are on vacation, yeah? When did you come back from Polarstern? Uh, I returned approximately three weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I'm now taking my, my time off with, with the, the hours I spent uh, on board. Mm -hmm. can can enjoy now for, for vacation. And uh, the, first, the first day I will uh, go back into the office will be the 31st of August. So... So you gained you gained a lot of extra yeah, yeah. hours then. Exactly. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Because I mean we can talk about this later. It was an extra long leg, uh, the third leg, uh, because of um, many different circumstances. Maybe something a little bit more about about you. Um I'm looking at your C V right now. So you um, studied metrology at the um, Freie University in Berlin. Yes, that's right. And then, then you directly moved to the German Weather Service. First, you have been working in Hamburg. And then um, finally, you joined the team in Offenbach, which is, I think, the main headquarter of German, German Weather Service, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was lucky. I made my hobby to my profession. I was interested uh, in, in the weather and in all the processes when I was a little child, when I was approximately 10 years old. And from that point, I knew that I would only like to do that later on as a profession. And uh, so I could adjust the, the right um, path uh, and uh, the, the lectures in school and so on and uh, yeah I had the choice with the university at Berlin which has a very good renome for for the weather and for the weather forecast as well and yeah. uh, then I started seamlessly uh, after passing my exam in, in Hamburg as you mentioned and 
that gave me the the opportunity to have access uh, not only to the forecast on on uh, the main side but also on on the marine uh, side and uh, in terms of aviation weather forecasts so uh, yeah i was i was trained in in a lot of additional courses and uh, yeah that's that's why i had the opportunity uh, to to go on board on polarstern as we have a, a very long lasting and trustful cooperation with the alfred wegener institute yeah for a long time yeah Going going back a little bit before we come to Polarst and going back a little bit to your childhood. So you said you were always interested in weather. What was the most interesting part for you? Was it something like the clouds or was it, I don't know, thunderstorms? Or yeah, that fits uh, indeed quite well to Mosaic. Uh, I'm very interested in snow events. Ah, I like the winter cool. uh, very much and mm -hmm. yeah i was always asking myself uh, why why is it snowing why is it raining now uh, why why turned it from snow into rain and that's why i want to i wanted to learn more about that processes that that are behind yeah so it, it was really clear that you would uh, leave um, your hometown which is actually uh, close to the polish border um, so to go to Berlin and to study metrology there. And, um, and then, as you mentioned already, you moved around quite a bit in Germany. So Hamburg, I understand they have a focus on marine and aircraft born weather observations or. Yeah. Yeah. More, more in marine. Mm -hmm. And, but they have also, um, yeah, the base on, on the, uh, Hamburg Fuhlspittel on the, on the airport. Mm -hmm. And that gave us the opportunity to, to get some additional training courses there, uh, to get familiar with, with, uh, aviation weather in terms of mm -hmm. helicopter operations, okay. uh, which, which are needed for Polarstern as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have a, we have a special license only for, Helicopter operations in terms of um, research research vessels. Okay, and you need to do this um, certificate in order to to go on a helicopter on a on a cruise like uh, Polarstern Mosaic to do this research and to, to to and to recommend the pilots in terms of the weather conditions outside. Yeah. Ah, okay. So this is one of the tasks the the yeah. DWD has. Um, on board Polarstern, I see. Yeah, yeah, one of the main tasks, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever uh, consider going as a as a weather forecaster to TV or something? I mean, was that or why did you choose that pathway to really go to the German Weather Service? Because there are many different jobs you can do as a metrologist, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I always wanted to have my focus on on the weather forecasts and uh, as as a forecaster or as a meteorologist in uh, the television you have to be able to explain things mm -hmm. what's behind to to the public mm -hmm. and uh, in in the german weather service you have more responsibilities in terms of uh, alert the public when we publish our warnings and so on this is more uh, focused on severe weather situations I don't want to punish the, the meteorologist <laughs> on TV. Uh, no, no, no. But uh, uh, I think I'm not um, charismatic enough also to do that uh, on, on the television. Yeah. You have to be very yeah. charismatically. Right. You have to have a presence. 
We also had Stephanie Arndt here in this episode already, and uh, we had the same discussion because she also studied metrology in, in uh, Berlin. And she said that her parents would probably very be very happy if <laughs> they would see her every night on TV rather than she's just leaving for, I don't know, three months or so. Expeditions yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just disappearing. But um, yeah, it might be probably true for your family too. They are always very proud when I am indeed in television. So it, it, that can, that mm -hmm. can uh, occur. Uh, especially we have, we have a media shift in, in our headquarter in Offenbach. And um, when I'm doing this media shift, it can happen that uh, mm -hmm. a camera team occurs and... Uh, Yeah, and then we we do a kind of kind of an interview, and it is uh, published then later, later or broadcasted later on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and what we also do is we uh, inform the public in in case of severe weather situations, and uh, mm -hmm. in in such cases we produce a video clip by our YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, that can also happen. So if you uh, if you go into the archive of DWD um, severe weather clips yeah. uh, you will also find me <laughs> okay i think i did a quick search uh, some week ago or so and i found a video with you actually <laughs> there yeah very thorough research here <laughs> i think you did very well so <laughs> yeah, thank you yeah i think um you brought actually you didn't bring a whole playlist but you mentioned you listened to some soundtracks uh, on board Polarstern yes yeah. and one of them is um, uh, the Rapunzel soundtrack do you have any I mean any any memory of listening that song on board Polarstern I, I listen I listened I listened to that song um, also in combination with uh, watching the movie okay and and the scenes um, so I always like movies when uh, when you are touched in a way. And I think that is a song that is very emotional. And she always uh, wanted to, to see the, the lights and uh, waited on, on the window to, to see the lights uh, at, at her birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally she... She got there and uh, yeah, that's very emotional for me. Yeah. So uh, I always like that. And also, I mean, finally, I see the light is the song called in English. Um, you were on board Polarstern. You went there. There was the light just coming back, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> that wasn't in my mind, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can also relate that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then, uh, yeah, let's listen yeah. to that song. So we are back. We hope you enjoyed the, the song now. And uh, we are here for anybody who didn't listen to the first part of this interview. We are here with uh, Robert Hausen from the German Weather Service. Um, so, Robert, I wanted to ask you something like about your, your job in general. And uh, you said that you work with weather forecast. How often do your friends and family come to you and ask you about the weather does it happen often i would say daily <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> at least one of them daily i would say and uh of course it's it's not only my profession as i mentioned so it is a passion for me and 
I'm, if, if I'm in the weather and, um, there, there's, there's no problem for me to, to answer the questions and, uh, Do you do you also have this ability to look in in the sky and uh, know the weather what the weather will be like I don't know tomorrow or at least in the next few hours There are some <laughs> some hints you okay. can you can see but uh, without any other knowledge about the weather situation it's very hard Yeah if you have a general idea how the weather will be then uh, additional hints with a view on the sky can can help okay. and uh, can fit can fit or not but in some cases uh, they won't help you at all okay because i had actually two things so there are these says at least in italian that are related to what you see and and the weather so one is for example that if you see in the evenings that the sky is red then you can hope for good weather is it right does it have any scientific basis uh that has something to do with uh the position of the sun uh -huh. yeah usually the sun uh the sun rises in the east and the sunset is in in the west and uh we are usually have a westerly flow uh over europe so that means the the coming weather for the next days uh is is more or less from westerly directions most of the time mm -hmm. and uh if we have a, a red light that means a lot of humidity uh, humidity in the air okay oh. and if we see that uh, in the evening uh, to the uh, to the west where the sunset happens that means okay there are some clouds coming some humidity is coming in from the west and that that could lead to to a rainy day tomorrow okay and if you can if if we can see that more to the east okay that that weather is leaving now I see. And that means that the, hum the humid air masses are leaving. There comes more dry air from the west in, and that leads to fair weather. Nice. That's the background. It's good to know. <laughs> so now I can also drop some scientific facts when I hear somebody <laughs> say that. There are a lot of exceptions. Yeah, <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. The second one is if you see the sky in like day normally, uh, that is like that has like this small clouds that look like sheeps then you can mm -hmm. expect rain is, is it any is it somehow based on on any scientific fact no that's wrong i would say this okay is wrong. good <laughs> perfect i'm so happy now that that i can debunk some 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 myths good so on, nice. a, on a on a sunny summer day you will always or nearly always find those uh, little clouds with with the uh, with the shape of small sheeps And yeah. most of the time it stays with that shape. So that doesn't okay. mean very serious uh, weather coming, coming up. But if these little clouds are growing more and more and becoming uh, bigger and uh, with uh, more extension, then, then it can be dangerous in, in terms of uh, developing thunder th thunderstorms, maybe. So we have to look also at the dimensions of yeah. the sheep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> What ingredients do you need to make a good weather forecast? I mean, are there two, three things you really need to to make a good weather forecast? Of course, yeah. It, it always starts with the analysis of the weather situation outside. Okay, yeah. That's always the same. Uh, no matter where you are, it starts always with, with the analysis. And uh, I would compare this to, to a doctor. And he will always ask you, okay, what, what are you experiencing right now? Uh, 
mm-hmm. where where are your aches and um, what what is what hurts in in what motion and uh, yeah we are anal- analyzing the the weather situation when we are looking outside okay let's let's have a 360 degree uh, look around and um, afterwards we we using the observation okay um, what's the temperature what's the wind direction and then we put all this together mm-hmm. make our own idea about that and afterwards we we at least uh, tried to understand the weather situation outside afterwards the next step is to to the prediction to predict the the next hours up to the next days and therefore we need then model data so which which model fits best to the actual state outside mm-hmm. and uh, if it is if the model is uh, totally wrong at uh, the first hours even so we can forget about that, put it into the rubbish bin and uh, start with the model uh, which uh, fits best. Yeah. When does a model fits better than the other? I mean, what, what, is, the, what is a good model that fits good to, to the current weather situation? Yeah, depending on um, what you are interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are interested in only a short-term uh, forecast, so uh, the, the next hours maybe, uh, it is always a good thing to look into very high resoluted models which have a um, hor- horizontal resolution of only a few kilometers and they can explicitly calculate uh, very local effects mm-hmm. so like showers thunderstorms uh, fern effects wind gusts that is also very important for for short-term predictions and if yeah. you're more looking uh, more looking into uh, long range or medium range forecasts then it becomes more and more important to to look only not on one model but on more models and uh, on so-called uh, model ensembles ensemble forecasts yeah. you have to work then with uh, uh, probabilities then so yeah. it is more likely that it goes into that weather regime or into the other one it is more cool and um, unsettled or just more sunny and stable and warm. So ensemble forecast, once uh, a colleague of mine explained that to me, but correct me if I'm wrong. So it means that you have, you start with the current weather situation and then um, the model runs uh, different scenarios, so to say. So for example, one has that temperature with 10 degree centigrade and the other one has uh, i don't know and then it it moves further um <laughs> how to say that well maybe you can explain that better <laughs> you're right you're right you have you have uh, so there are different uh, types of ensembles but let's start with only mo- one model mm-hmm. you have only one model uh, you have one deterministic model run that is uh, that one with the highest resolution so then okay. afterwards, after that deterministic model run, you have to reduce the resolution because the performance of, of the computing, the computing performance is not high enough at the moment to do all the different model runs. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, with, with that lower resolution, you can uh, calculate so-called perturbations. You can do 50 perturbations if you assume that the the current weather situation is not accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, ca- you cannot measure every point on the earth with uh, highest accuracy. And that's the idea behind. So what if in that 
area we have not 10 degrees but 12 degrees what will be uh, mm -hmm. the result in the end of, of the forecast if the result will be the same okay it doesn't matter if we have 10 degrees or 12 degrees the result is the same so the forecast is very stable yeah but the result will be completely different mm -hmm. okay only a few perturbations few differences can make a big result in the end and then the forecast is always very yeah. uncertain unstable and you have to be very cautious uh, in terms of any specific weather information here. Um, what do you think if there are uh, listeners that would like to be a meteorologist, what is the one thing that a person should have in order to be a good meteorologist? Mm, I would say passion. <laughs> passion for, for the weather. Okay, fair. <laughs> But if you want to be a... Um, Ever uh, average forecaster, um, everyone, everybody can learn that. So it is no um, vicious, no secret, no mysterious <laughs> magic <laughs> skill or something. Yeah, but but just but I mean, for some of the people, <laughs> physics is quite magic, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. So That's you right, should yeah. understand some physics. That's true. That's true. <laughs> So, so what do you think, uh, Robert, is the hardest part in your job? I mean, what's uh, the most difficult or most challenging um, thing you have in your daily forecasting work? Um, one point is definitely to do the forecasts in regions like the North, uh, like the Arctic or the Antarctic. Mm -hmm. So what we do on Polarstern, that's very challenging. That's very hard because we have so much lack of information. We have nearly nothing around us. We are in the middle of nowhere. Okay. We have no observations around us. And uh, we have to trust our own <laughs> uh, observations and our own skills. Um, the only thing we have is some uh, remote sensing data, which means uh, satellite images and Yeah, if we are lucky, also um, some some radar data, and also also the, the the coverage in terms of of satellite images is not comparable with that in Europe. So in Europe, we have every five minute a very high resoluted satellite mm -hmm. image, mm -hmm. and if we are somewhere yeah. in the Arctic, we have one image per hour approximately, which is not that high high resoluted. Okay. I see. So, so that, I mean, that's a really interesting thing that you're saying that because we are both working in the International Coordination Office for the Year of Polar Prediction, which is um, an international initiative by the World Meteorological Organization to improve weather and sea ice forecast uh, both in the Arctic and the Antarctic. And um, actually, our initiative is there to improve data to to enhance data and observations both in the arctic and antarctic and um what you're saying is really um confirming uh, our work since many years now to try to to have more data from the arctic um so so what is i mean compared to germany um how many weather stations are there available to to that go into the forecast compared to Where Polarstern is right now. I mean, do you have numbers or something? 
Uh, I don't know by heart, but uh, at least several hundred. Several hundred stations in, in Germany. Yeah, we, we have to equip those stations not only with sensors that measure the temperature and humidity. You also uh, need information about the, the cloud base uh, and uh, vertical information about the, the troposphere. I know that that is done a lot by, by satellites now right now, but um, this has to be more accurate and in, in a higher density. I see. So, so how is the weather forecast done then in, in, um, on, on the land in Europe? I mean, you have the weather state, the automatic weather stations. You have um, some stations with weather balloons, and then you have a lot of satellite data. Yes, you have radar data. You have uh, mm -hmm. lidar informations, uh, uh, MDA profiles, so um, measurements also. AMDA is the the one that the planes are measuring, right? Yes, yeah. yes, done done by the planes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's all, all that is missing in the Arctic. So we have some mm -hmm. buoys in best cases, and yeah. Uh, yeah, at some point some observations uh, over Svalbard and Greenland and. Yeah, that's it. Right. Canada. Yeah. So in terms of weather forecast, Mosaic is also a very important initiative. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it showed uh, very well that we have to improve the models. So mm -hmm. we had so many cases where the models failed totally and we were blind in a way. We have to just... Uh, trust on our skills, what we learned. And uh, what was very important uh, was the experiences from our colleagues from leg two and leg one. Mm -hmm. That was a big benefit for us. Um, yeah, that was one one of the main reasons why we uh, did, a, did a good job in the end, I guess. So, so what, maybe we move directly to, to the, the work you did on board Polarstern. So what is, what is the main task that the German Weather Service has on board Polarstern? Yeah, to answer all questions regarding the weather. Mm -hmm. So that's very simple. Um, so it starts with a meeting at quarter past eight every morning. I remember that when <laughs> I was in Polarstern in 2015, yeah. <laughs> that happens, uh, yeah, every day. So you have this weather briefing and you're explaining how the weather will be exactly. during the day. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that's to, to inform the, the chief scientist, the captain, the staff, uh, everybody who's interested in the coming weather development and uh, yeah, in order to plan the day and... The following days yeah yeah so and uh, not to forget also the the pilots in terms of any flight operations that might take place that's very important for them to know mm -hmm. uh, whether they have icing turbulence uh, what are the visible visibilities and so on yeah but then you also you have your i mean you know i know you have your space on deck is it deck a where where the german weather service has their office so to say it is yes exactly yeah and what do you do there it's next to the radio station yes and um mm -hmm. <laughs> what do we do yeah we uh, we observe the weather we collect the data we adjust our forecast 
all the time instantaneously and uh, if something changes of course the, the forecast can change the weather can change outside it doesn't fit to the forecast anymore and then we have to adjust the forecast and uh, tell the responsible guys immediately uh, what the situation is and uh, what we expect the next hours You do own observations on board, like for example, you're launching the radio sons four times a day. I yes, understood, yes, right? Yes, uh, usually we do that uh, four times a day to launch mm -hmm. the weather balloons. That is done by mm -hmm. my colleague, the technician from DWD mm -hmm. on board. So we are two two guys um, ah, on okay. on our office, mm -hmm. uh, and um, I, as a forecaster, I'm responsible for the forecast to do the forecast to to write the reports to provide the products uh, also um, in the intranet. Mm -hmm. of, of Polarstern, intranet? Yeah, mm -hmm. Internet on Polarstern, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but also on mainland, so that uh, also the authorities uh, on mainland know about the weather situation that is uh, observed and expected. But you have only one, I mean, Polarstern is only one spot of weather. So you're taking a model with more data and put your spot weather for weather um, observation from Polarstern in that model and then calculate the model new or how is that done? That is done automatically. So all <laughs> okay. the data we are collecting um, are transferred. So these, these data we observe, they are, they are transferred via GTS into the data assimilation that the models do. Yeah. Before, before a model run starts. Okay. Yeah. The GTS, we can come back to that later. That's the global telecommunication system of the WMO, the World Meteorological um, Organization. So, so you feed your data into that system and then you look at the forecast. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, in, in terms of the forecast, we, we have our models that are focused on our area. Mm -hmm. And um, these models um, are our own from the German Weather Service, the ICON model, but also from the ECMWF, so the European Center for Medium Medium Range Forecasts, and uh, the Global Forecast System, the GFS model from from the US, is also used by us. Uh, and we are focusing only on our little territory around us. So we are ah, not interested, okay. of course, uh, mm -hmm. in, in the whole um, weather maps all over the world, in the southern hemisphere and so on. We only focus on our uh, right. own spot. So, Robert, uh, one, one step uh, back, actually, before we talk about the weather on board Polarstern, how, how did you become a forecaster for Polarstern and how, how often have you done that already? Yeah, as I as I passed my exam and did the license, which are required to to do that job on Polarstern, um, I had a very nice expedition in the Southern Atlantic Ocean. Ah, okay. Uh, it was in 2013. Uh, afterwards, I had two trips to the Newmeyer Station and uh, did some uh, weather forecast there for. For all the activities in the Drumlan area, so Droning Mortland, uh, we are responsible too for for that area and yeah in the northern part of of the Antarctic um, territory as well. 
And uh, after that, that, so in in fact, it was my second time on Polarstern right now for Mosaic Lake 3. I mean, you know better the Antarctic than the Arctic then, actually, huh? Yes, actually, I've never been to the Arctic before, so it was my first time during Mosaic. Yeah. But uh, as the conditions were during the coldest period, it was a little bit comparable to the Antarctic then. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, that's, and that's why uh, my bosses put me on leg three. Ah, because they knew that you can uh, <laughs> deal with the very cold conditions. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, the, the big flight campaign was planned, as you all know. And yeah. uh, that's also why I um, should give my personal experiences also to that. And So you would have been involved in that campaign. Actually, we as the Year of Polar Prediction were also looking very much forward because it was the, the start of what we call the targeted observing period. I don't know if you have heard about that. Uh, not before, but but on board, of course. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So ah, that's good. So they were talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, also in the doc documents, we reprinted out on board with, with all the schedules and, and the persons who should come to us. Mm-hmm. Um, that was yeah it was very uh precise and uh but yeah as you all know as it ca uh, came closer to the event uh, everything was first postponed afterwards cancelled yeah. the first of a series of things that had to change because of corona like related to mosaic when the captain has has to make a very important decision is he then coming to talk to you or is that i mean how does that work are you kind of involved in any of these decision making um, processes on the bridge we are involved but we don't take the decision yeah so we only recommend Mm -hmm. uh, what we think the weather will be like mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. afterwards we are a little bit out so yeah. what 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 will happen next it's not on our hands <laughs> okay it was interesting we had um in february we had a meeting um it was actually a panel discussion in bremerhaven in the schifffahrtsmuseum we had the captain um thomas wunderlich and also moritz lang hinrichs i don't know if, if you know them um we had we had them um on the panel and we, are, we were discussing about um, um, their decision-making on, on board. And also we had Markus Rex there. So um, yeah, basically they also said that, of course, the captain is give, uh, making the decision while the scientist and also the weather um, service gives this recommendation. And um, But of course the captain is uh, sticking uh, to, you know, what's best and, and what the recommendation from the science actually It's on him to give the last the last word, yeah. And safety first, of course. Also, of course. Uh, yeah. also on our job. So if we have any doubts, if if there is a fog patch coming in, and so we have to communicate this exactly. Mm -hmm. And then it's then it's up to the pilots to decide whether they will take the risk or not. I mean, e even the weather has changed quite a lot. We were actually wondering about um, that warm air intrusion that came at some point to Polarstern. It was mid-April, right? Around the weekend between the 15th and 19th? 
That's true. That's true. We had several warm air events okay. uh, during mm -hmm. our during our leg, um, but all were quite uh, similar in a way. So we had a massive warm air advection from the south, from from the North Atlantic Ocean. Um, sometimes more from the southeast, from the Barents Sea. Mm -hmm. That was not uh, that efficient then. So we, we had temperatures around minus five degrees then from the southeast. But as the wind came directly from the south with uh, strong velocities of six to seven before, we experienced temperatures around zero degrees. And that was also very surprising for me that early during the year okay. that uh, even if the, the ice edge is that far away, we can have those temperatures. So uh, it doesn't matter if, if the air has to has to flow over such a big mass of, of uh, sea ice. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if the wind speeds are high enough, the, the air, the air mass can't cool down anymore. Okay. And, um, yeah, that led to, to those high temperatures we yeah. experienced. Yeah. That was actually also the, the first and the one and only, um, targeted observing period we then experienced with a year of polar prediction. So um, what actually happened was not only that on board Polarstern there were more radio sounds launched or there were four daily launched, but also around um, the Arctic on, on the MET stations on, on Svalbard and um, I think uh, Sodankule were involved. Which is in Finland. In Greenland. And um, these people were asked on the stations to launch radio sounds during this uh, event. Um, and I kind of remember that a couple of weeks before that event, it was even minus 40 degrees centigrade. And then it, during that event, we had something around zero. So we thought that must have felt like the tropics for you with that big temperature change. Or how was that? It felt like that, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as, as it got into one digit numbers, uh, We felt like, okay, we can put our cl uh, polar clothes off and uh, just walk around with a t-shirt only. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, it was so, so warm, especially when, when you were working on the ice. And yeah, only, only a few days ago, we had minus 40 degrees. That was, yeah, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. As, as we, as we arrived Polarstern, we had minus 42.3. That was our mm -hmm. record. And, uh, if we have only, a little motion of the wind and uh, a little place in your in your face where you have uh, open skin the skin is hurt only in a few seconds okay. so this yeah. part of your face you have frost frost nips frost bites that that's 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 amazing only only a few moments are enough and you go into the warm again and it feels like you are you have a sunburn oh really okay were there any other like cool weather things that happened during the time you were on board other than this warmer intrusions? Um, yeah, if I remember correctly, we were requested during that warm intrusion to launch the radio zones every three hours. Uh -huh. So it, the, the density was even higher than eight times a day then uh, for, for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Who did that? Did that also your technician or... Yeah, 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 my colleague. He asked me to chair, but uh, I wanted to focus on the forecast, so I was uh, occupied with yeah. that. <laughs> okay. And um, yeah, I was quite busy all the time, especially as we had so many flight activities. So mm -hmm. um, 
over 100 hours in the air airborne wow Uh, in in total, so it was quite a lot during during our leg. And what what was that? I mean, we saw that uh, really nice photo um, with you on the helicopter. Were you always going on the helicopter, or or what? What was your task in terms of um, the flight? No, it was only once mm -hmm. I could I could join, and it was um, additionally my my first time on the helicopter. Uh, so it was a kind of a kind of a present for me, also uh, for 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 the good work and the good cooperation all the time with the pilots. Um, and uh, but but uh, no, seriously, I got I got a I got an important task on on that on that flight because I was uh, responsible for for the bear watch then. Ah, okay. So there there, there was a flight to to what was it? How was it called? Um, to to the L side L 2 Which is a few miles away, uh, a few miles away from the from the ship, mm -hmm. um, and we were only two guys. Uh, one who took care of of the instruments, and uh, there was was a battery who has to be changed, and uh, it, it took a little bit more than an hour. And I was responsible to to protect uh, to protect us from yeah. polar bears. Um, were you visited often by by polar bears during your leg, or unfortunately only two times? <laughs> <laughs> two times, yeah. Um, the first time was uh, oh, that was at the end of April, so very late in in the morning. Um, the polar bear was spotted quite quite close to the ship, mm -hmm. playing around with some instruments, <laughs> and. Uh, Then we we chased the bear away, but it was very hard to chase him away because he took took some steps away and then he waited mm -hmm. again. What's what's okay. happening next? In in the end, everything was fine and uh, there was no real danger for for mm -hmm. any anybody. And and the second time was on on our um, journey back to Svalbard to our meeting point with uh, Mirian and Sonne. Mm -hmm. And on, on that trip, we, we saw uh, a mom with his cup. Oh, nice. Approximately yeah, 50 meters away or so from the ship. Um, you brought another song, Robert, that was um, actually a song from, the, from another soundtrack, The Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, there, there are two tracks I saw, but okay. these are the most famous parts. Okay. The one that when you listen to them, you imagine yourself on a ship. At least that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> Was it like that for you? Uh, it's like, yeah, sailor music. Uh, and um, I like these, um, how, how it is performed by the orchestra and uh, the dramatics in it. So I, I don't like that movie, the movie that much, but the, the, the music is amazing. Robert, we were actually interested in, I mean, you mentioned before, so DWD um, uses uh, different forecast models to forecast the weather conditions on board. So once you said the DWD model, that's the icon model, mm -hmm. then uh, ECMWF model, and also yes. the US model. The, the GFS we use as well. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Which one is the best? Depends on the parameter. <laughs> okay. So what does um, it mean? <laughs> we we made the experience that 
äh, die ECMWF-Model um, fits best in all terms of medium range weather forecast. And, and that, that is still true also for, for the Arctic Ocean. Okay. So if, if we are interested in an upcoming storm in five or six days, trust the ECMWF and, um, uh, that is a very good first idea. I mean, this, this is as it is in their name, right? European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecast. So they, yes, yes. they are doing really good in what they promise to They're do. selling. Yeah. They, they do, exactly. Okay. And, uh, the, the model is optimized for, the, for that, uh, medium range forecasts. And yeah, that was also true for, for our area, um, okay. during Deck three. Okay. And also the, the, the general weather pattern was was very good in in the ECMWF model. Yeah. So what what is the jet stream uh, behave behavior in the next in the next couple of days and how does uh, the polar vortex behave will develop during the next days and all these all these questions were very good answered by by the ECMWF model. But there's a but the humidity so the clouds especially which are very important for for all questions regarding flight activities so what what's the cloud base uh, what's the ceiling and uh, in those questions especially as we struggled with many ice clouds uh, at the beginning of our leg so the temperatures temperatures were too cold for for any uh, water clouds with any water content we had only ice clouds mm -hmm. and uh, therefore the humidity was overestimated all the time by the ecmwf model oh okay so they, they, they covered very large areas with, um, eight octaves. Uh, so that means the, the, the sky would be totally occupied, totally covered. And yeah, we had bright sunshine with, uh, almost no clouds. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Very fair conditions. And that, that was, that was actually good covered by, uh, our uh, German model. Okay. They did a good performance uh, in in that question. You probably learned from the experience from your um, colleagues who have been on leg one and leg two, as you said. Now you have this knowledge. You have to look at this model when the situation is like that. Um, in you know looking back, but um, for looking into the future, how do you know what which one you you look at, or or how to combine these? Uh, I think you have to trust in in the pattern, okay. in the general weather pattern. And if you see similarities again, this is not only valid for for our case. I get, I would, I would guess this will occur several times again. If the situation is comparable, is very similar, yeah. then we will we will experience um, very similar trends in the temperature and all the other parameters as well. This this sounds like a very thorough analysis too. Do you, by any chance, give also this feedback to I don't know, ECMWF, or are you working on uh, what doesn't work on Icon? Uh, is it part of what you are doing also on Bolashen, or is I don't know also common knowledge? Maybe they are already working on that. Of course we do. Of course we do. We have um, mm -hmm. very good cooperation also with the ECMWF. We met several years, uh, several times a year. Um, and, uh, I'm also part of the international working group on, uh, weather forecasting. So I don't know what, what will be the case this year in times of Corona. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. 
if we will postpone our meeting or cancel the meeting but uh, usually we meet uh, we meet one once a year in in different uh, cities all over Europe mm -hmm. with the different uh, national weather services mm -hmm. okay. and mm -hmm. uh, share our experience and also discuss that cases so case studies uh, our experiences with the models and uh, the thing is okay i I made that experience during our leg now, but with the next model update, that can change again. So no one knows how the model will behave after the next update that can be totally different then. Okay, and then uh, you mentioned already, so the data that is measured on board I mean, what do you measure on board? There's the radio sound data, and then you have several instruments also on board, right? Yes, on the top of the bridge in, in the crow's nest, so-called crow's nest, uh, we have our sensors uh, that measure the humidity, temperature, also the, the wind direction, wind speed, yeah. Okay, I see. And and those measurements that have been, I mean, done extra by the scientists, like they had this met sled? We were very lucky. We had a very good relationship mm -hmm. between each other and was a very good uh, feeling and cooperation between the, yeah. the groups and also between Team Atmosphere and uh, us as the weather service. So they shared uh, all the data they could provide And we had access to, to the internet links and we could also check the, uh, the radar data. So the, the laser scans, uh, on, on the top of the, the ship, what, what's, what's going on mm -hmm. above us in the, in the troposphere. Uh, you can see there when, when precipitation started in, in out of medium range clouds, but not reaching ah, okay. the surface. That was very interesting, but but only for our point, not yeah. not in the surrounding. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the the data from the Met City Tower, the temperature data in two meters, uh, five meters, ten meters height of um, yeah temperature, humidity. That was also very useful for for our forecasts. The next session has a bit more to do with your all experience about this uh, your time during during mosaic so my first question would be what was your biggest best moment if you can pinpoint one i imagine there are several but if you could think like the the one thing you will always remember about mosaic and and polaster uh, i thought a lot about that question and um what is definitely true is that afterwards If, if we, if you come down a little bit and, uh, remember the time a little bit, of course, the, the good memories will last forever and the bad one will disappear slowly. And, and that's definitely a good thing. And, um, yeah, I, I pointed out, uh, three milestones for, for my best moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first one was as we reached Polarstern. So we, we saw Polarstern. Uh, far away at the horizon as a small light in total darkness for the first time. And the first helicopter flights, uh, so we had some shuttle flights between each other took place um, 
exchanging mm -hmm. the, the group leaders. So that this was the first milestone. Um, mm -hmm. Another one was uh, as we... As the two twin otters landed on our landing strip and uh, picked up some some of our guys who had to go home uh, very mm -hmm. urgently uh, due to different reasons uh, were picked up and this was a very challenging operation uh, where we involved and uh, because the, the the weather was quite uh, difficult to on on that time. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. And uh, mm -hmm. there was a bad weather system, uh, which should leave very early, but uh, it was postponed uh, one day after the another. And uh, the final improvement was then two days delayed. And so the guys became a little bit nervous now. Will that happen or will the Twin Otters have to leave again from Greenland and mm -hmm, uh, yeah. not come to us at all? Uh, but yeah, luckily it took place then. Yeah. Uh, on 22nd of April, uh, if I remember correctly. And um, yeah, this was a beautiful day, a sunny day, and everything was happy afterwards. So this was um, yeah, a very good day for us as well. So how, how was this? I mean, the leg was extended because of um, there was no way to exchange people due to the corona pandemic, right? So it was decided on board that um, the leg would be extended um, until later. Probably nobody <laughs> at some point, nobody knew how, how far into the future would um, be extended. And then there were some people who really had to go. And for them, this twin otter operation was, um, was launched. How did you feel when you, when you heard that the leg would be extended? Uh, at the first moment, it was a little shock for for me, because we okay we we had to expect that uh, we are not in time at home again. So it, it was clear that okay one week two week later um, we have to take that into consideration. There's no doubt about that. But um, if we are talking about delays in terms of mosaic, we are not talking about one day or one week. We are talking about several weeks or even months. Yeah. And, and that was, that was yeah. shocking in a way because I really hoped that I would be home again um, latest at the end of April when my daughter celebrates her birthday, mm -hmm. 29th of April. Mm -hmm. That was the date when I definitely wanted to be back home. Yeah. And it was was clear, uh, I don't know exactly anymore, but uh, I think even mid of March or so, it was clear that at the end of April, that's not realistic anymore no to be there at home. More than one, one month in advance, I knew that uh, it would be impossible for me to go home and uh, that uh, it was very hard for me to communicate this to my family right so when is the best when is the best point to communicate that as early as possible or as late as possible or how did you do in the end did you use the whatsapp or how did you communicate with them yeah that that was uh, a big advantage of of the of the whole expeditions where we uh, we we are not out of the world we had mm -hmm. the we had the opportunity to communicate via whatsapp and um this worked quite well i figured out for myself that it would be the best not to communicate every new rumor 
but to okay. wait for for the final decisions. Right. So if there if there is a new rumor that we can maybe uh, be back at home two weeks earlier than expected, um, and the next day it was said, okay, that's not realistic anymore. We will be delayed by four weeks now. Um, I didn't communicate that. So mm -hmm. not before the final decision was uh, was made. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it was it was important to also give them something that they could trust. It was true. I can imagine. Of course, they they followed the newspaper on mainland. Right. And and the newspaper they, depending on the source, they they said yes. different things all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, they asked back, uh, "Okay, we heard that you will be back at the end of May. How realistic is that?" And I answered, okay, that's not realistic anymore. That, that, that is an mm. old uh, information you got or yeah. the newspaper got. So it was yeah. hard to, to figure out, to, to judge the quality of uh, information. What was the climate in general uh, in the ship when, when this whole Corona thing kind of de was developing also exactly why you were... Uh, you were out well first on Dranitsin, I guess it was already some some rumor and then it just developed as you were in in there how was how were people taking it how and and also what was your access to information yeah we our access to information was the daily newspaper um, called the Tagesschau. Uh, that is a 15 minutes uh, TV show with uh, with the daily news all over the globe and especially in Germany. And we had access to that um, one day after. And there for, for our international uh, scientists, there are some international um, news collected from several newspapers um, to, to give a rough overview of, of the situation all over mm -hmm. the world. And um, yeah, this uh, topic Corona, it's, it's, it seemed unreal for us. To, to, to see big cities like, like Berlin, London and New York where or nobody was on the streets anymore. And it was, yeah, it was like a, like a science fiction movie. And we, we were, we were kidding a little bit about that, that we will be the last one, last ones who will survive. And, uh, yeah, of course, at some point it was not funny anymore then. And, uh, uh, we got, we got an idea how serious the the pandemic uh, was as we received uh, the the speech of the German Chancellor uh, mm -hmm, Frau mm -hmm. Merkel uh, yeah as as she spoke to the public and uh, we were able to see that and um, yeah this this happens only very uh, at, at uh, in, in rare cases and. So, so before we talk about this uh, third moment, maybe we can just briefly, be because we started talking about Corona, talk about um, how it was when you came back and how it was for your family and how is it now uh, for you working? I mean, you're you're at home. You told me right now, so you, I guess, you're doing home office. No. No. Not, okay. not at all. I'm doing nothing at all. I'm, I'm just ah, relaxing. On vacation, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, vacation. <laughs> yeah, I'm really in, enjoying that. And uh, I don't miss anything right now. <laughs> so I can, I can meet my friends and, and colleagues again. And 
Yeah. Now, of course, we, we talk a little bit about uh, the situation uh, at work mm -hmm. in, in the office, and uh, but not that much. Mm. And I'm also not not care about the weather. So if, yeah. uh, if, if a family member asks me how the weather will be like uh, the next days, I have I have to quit. So <laughs> I have to say sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm off duty. Yeah. I cannot say anything. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. We were lucky. Yeah, and now um, yeah, it uh, took only five minutes uh, to get used to my family again, and uh, my daughter start started immediately to talk to me again and. Uh, to to um, request me to to play as much as I can with her and <laughs> so it took only five minutes uh, to to come back into my my life uh, that I experienced before here yeah also uh, the wearing the face mask and so on that uh, now we I get used to it yeah and now your third moment please. <laughs> Yeah, my third moment, uh, of course, when when we left the the ship. Ah, so okay. uh, when we when we left uh, Polarstern and um, went to Esmerian, um, that moment we um, finished all our handover works, took our luggage and crossed crossed the ship, uh, went to the Esmerian, and from that moment on, we knew okay. Um, The responsibility is over. We are now totally free. What what we do, and uh, we could enjoy the day. We don't have to wake up anymore at six o'clock in the morning. Start to go to the office. Um, just relax yeah. and uh, feel free to do what we want. And that was that was a good moment as well. After uh, yeah, I think three months of working every day. How was that mm -hmm. emotionally? Did you also feel, because when I was um, leaving Polarstern after nine weeks in 2015, I was crying. So crying for, because, due to sadness? Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 I didn't feel any sadness, so. Yeah. No, no. I, I was just happy that, that, that it is over now. I, I was focused on my job and uh, I really had fun and uh, we had a great time there. But after that long period of time, we were on just just happy to leave and uh, have nothing to do with it anymore and uh, just relax now. <laughs> it was it was definitely enough. Yeah. And yeah. On, on on our transit back um, with with the Marianne, it, it took one week. And uh, we had still uh, some general meetings in the evening. And uh, we also had a short weather presentation, but it was not done by me. So they asked me, but, uh, but I said, no, I'm totally out. I'm over. <laughs> and and it, would, it was done by, by Stephen, who, who did a great job. So it was one of the scientists mm -hmm. from, from the US. And he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, he took over from me and uh, explained to the guys the, the weather for the next days. And uh, yeah, d he did it in a, in a great uh, and funny way. So, Okay. I think we have another piece of music now before we go into our final uh, section of the interview. And it's A Million Dreams, also from The Greatest Showman, right? 
Mm. And you and you thought you told us before you thought of your daughter when you listened to that song on board. Yeah, yeah. The same again. I was not just listening to that song. I preferred to to watch the first 15 minutes of that movie because these 15 minutes are amazing. Uh, how they how they act, how they dance, how they how they are singing. And, and telling the stories from, from kids to, to adults. And, um, yeah, it was just amazing to, to, to see that and to feel that. And in the movie, the, the two daughters of uh, Hugh Jackman, they are not far away, uh, regarding the age of, of my daughter. And, and that's why I have to think of my daughter, um, because the, the voice are similar, the, The look in a little bit, they have also blonde hairs and uh, the, the look is quite similar. And yeah, I was thinking a lot of, of my daughter in, in that moment. Yeah. Okay, we are back uh, with Robert Hausen. And uh, while we were listening to that song, Robert actually told us that um, that song also kind of connected people on board. Um, because... Um, People knew that that movie and knew the song, right? That's right. That's right. We had a lot of guys from the US and uh, some of them told me that they were watching that movie in the cinema uh, during a cold winter night with uh, some snowflakes <laughs> and uh, nobody was out there. But uh, yeah, that was kind of comparable to our, mm -hmm. our situation. And um, yeah, that, that song, especially A Million Dreams, um, that connected us in a way. And all, all the soundtracks from, from that movie uh, were played a lot uh, during bar evenings and so on. Yeah, a community was created. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we reached my, fa my personally favorite part of the conversation uh, because it's a, it's a recurring thing that we do. So we have three main questions now for you. Well, actually, two for you and one you will have for us probably. <laughs> so the first one is, do you by any chance have one of these jackets? Uh, I don't have any. I decided okay. against it uh, due to whatever reason. In the end, I was uh, not sure anymore if, if that was the, the right decision. But uh, yeah, I, I was I was not happy with with the, with the color a little bit, and maybe I saw them too much during our expedition. So <laughs> I was a little also bit fair I was a little bit bored by that uh, in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Then I would ask you another question, which is actually from the person we interviewed last time, which is Tania Utar. She was on leg two uh, of, of Mosaic and she wanted to ask the next guest, what was your favorite food on board? When and where? That was easy for me. <laughs> so it, okay. was, it was the crusted lamp loin with bush beans and potato bake on Easter Sunday. Oh. I saw you wrote that down, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> So it must have been really amazing since you even it noted was. that. <laughs> it was, definitely. So that was a special Easter meal they cooked for you, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A special holiday meal. And um, I like lamb uh, very much. And 
this this crusted lamb and uh, the vegetable and it, it was amazing yeah afterwards ice cream so nothing more to add oh wow <laughs> <laughs> it was a good meal it was a good meal And then, same question to you. So what would you like to ask the, ne uh, the next uh, guest on our, on our podcast if you had the chance to be here with us? I would like to ask, did Mosaic change your life? And if yes, why and how? how? That's a very nice question. Cool. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. So Robert, did it change your life? Hard to say, hard to say. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, I would say yes, but no one knows if it is still the case in a couple of years. So I will always remember that time, that's for sure. And um, yeah, it was unforgettable, a real, real expedition with an uncertain outcome until the very end. And yeah, also a lot of uh, meteorological phenomena highlights Yeah, it gave me a lot. Yeah, thank you very much for taking your time with us. Yeah, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much too. And all the best for you too. Thank you very much. Stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, you yes. too. Yeah. Yes, and enjoy your vacation. First of all, enjoy your vacation, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I will. Okay. Thank you. And with this, uh, we thank also the listeners of this iSpot um, for yeah, um, following us again. Just uh, briefly, so there are also um, this other podcast, the Arctic Drift Audio Logbook. That's a German podcast um, you may want to listen to. There's a um, usual update of the chief scientist. And then there's also um, these mini podcasts by Sam Cornish, that have been released now. So that's something in English language. And that is the Mosaic Mixdown. Yeah, listen to that one. We hear each other again for the next episode in a couple of weeks. Yeah, stay healthy and stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. 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 The iSpot is produced by the Year of Polar Prediction International Coordination Office. With the technical support of Radio Weser TV as well as the support by the communication team of Mosaic and the Alfred Wegner Institute. Editorial responsibility is with Kirstin Werner and Sara Pascoletto. Our theme music is composed by Kevin McLeod, available on incompetech.com. For any questions, please contact us at polarprediction at gmail.com. I even don't dare, but I, I ask, how was the cake? <laughs> the cake was, was out at the end. So it must oh, be very, no. must, must have been very good. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the cooks of Palashen.